Hello and welcome to the 14th episode of Sonic Talk. Uh, this is going to be a short one today, but we do have a nice surprise guest. We, uh, later in this show, we got Aaron Weber, who's covering three Sega games right now. And of course, we'll be talking a little bit more about Sonic and All-Stars Racing Transformed, just as it's hey, about hey. to come out. Uh, you'll be noticing that you'll be, uh, you're will be you listening to this on a Friday instead of a Monday. I decided to go ahead and uh, get it up early because everybody else will have the game out by then. So anything that Aaron says will be pretty much old news by then. Alrighty, and uh, we also got, of course, our one of our favorite co-hosts, GX Ekinna. I'm hurting people with stickers. Also, I'm playing Paper Mario. That sounds like fun. I I really want to get that game. Uh, Toys R Us, I think, has a buy one, get one 40% off deal. I'm going to look in, into that after the show. Nintendo has a deal where you go on their eShop and then you buy it, and then it's there. Yeah. That's the deal I took advantage <laughs> of. forever. And uh, what you're also hearing is Alex, uh, a.k.a. Knuckles87, who was nice enough to give me his Donkey Kong uh, code. So now I have uh, Donkey Kong Classic with the Cement Factory. Or Pie Factory, if you prefer it like that. I prefer Pie Factory, because it ticks certain people off. <laughs> I always thought it was just a construction site. It kind of is. It's actually pretty easy, I'm, I'm noticing. I'm starting to see why they took it out. If you just keep going t- to left, you can get up and at to Donkey Kong in no time. All mm. right, so speaking of things we've been playing, it's time once again for what we've been playing. Uh, Alex? I'm I'm currently playing Halo. Uh, yeah, I've played too. some Super Paper Mario. You're playing Professor. Super Paper Mario. Or Paper Mario Sticker Star, whatever. I don't know. You sound I've... so enthusiastic about all of them. <laughs> <laughs> Halo 4's got some great, great graphics. That's some of the best next-gen graphics I've seen, especially in, in terms of the lighting. The shadowing, it's its just absolutely incredible. The game itself ain't half bad either. I mean, uh, 343 has managed to pick up you know, the torch from Bungie and did a real great job with the game. Halo 4 is awesome. You will not, you will not say it was whatever you said. It wasn't good enough. Halo 4 is epic. It is the best. I never said it was bad. No, no, but you implied that it was not the best first-person shooter that has ever been created. Of course, that could be applied <laughs> to all Halos, so, you know. I still I, think I, I still think Halo it. Reach is the best is, in terms of storyline and that. I mean, I as, as, as good as it is, it's still shooting Covenant and going f- from one area to the other. But it's still That's fun to play. first-person shooter is. I will agree with you from the standpoint that Metroid, that the Metroid Prime series isn't, by Nintendo's definition, a first-person shooter. Um, yeah, it's not a first-person shooter. It's a first-person adventure game. Would not be fair to compare Halo to Metroid because you know Metroid is better. But um, yes. Okay, and what you what have you been up to, GX? I've been playing Paper Mario Sticker Star and something that I really don't want to talk about. Oh, do you not care for it? The what? Do you you not not care for the game? No, 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 no. I'm a different game that I do not care to talk about. Perhaps out of shame, but uh, otherwise, uh, Paper Mario Sticker Star is it's good. It's fine. It's okay. I would say, in my hierarchy of Paper Mario's, I would. 
put it under Super Paper Mario, and I'm not a Super Paper Mario hater. It's just one of the things mentioned on the Giant Bombcast is that basically it it's barely an RPG at this point because there really is no sense of progression in the game. It's it's kind of like it, it is a Mario puzzle game with pseudo action strategy via the stickers but it's like they've removed so much they've practically removed everything about the game that made it an rpg besides turn-based battle there's no equipment there's no leveling all your attacks are just collecting things and then using them so you cannot have any attachment to any of the big stickers because you're just going to use it anyway but uh i would say the biggest disappointment for me is that I love the writing and the story of Paper Mario. Yeah, they as, always like, do a, a good franchise. job. The thing about this game is there's good writing, but there really aren't any characters. Yeah. Like, That's what like, I noticed from the, uh, from the get-go. Um, just yeah. really this crown that doesn't really have doesn't really have any kind of characterization that interests me. Well, she has about as much character as, um, picks as, uh, what's it, what was the, uh, what, Now you're making uh, me not want to buy this who is, game. Who is the butterfly in the, um, Super Paper Mario? Butterfly, let's just call it that. I know what you're talking about. I barely remember that thing. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, it, it's, I mean, it's, it's still a fun game. It just, it, it, it doesn't feel finished. It, it feels empty. It, it feels like it's just lacking that Paper Mario soul to it. This is surprising considering how long they've been working on this. I mean, they announced Paper Mario at the launch of the 3DS at E3. But at the same time, think about the first screenshots that they showed, because they actually showed companions in that version. Yeah, you... wasn't it supposed to be an adaption of the first Paper Mario? I don't know. It, it couldn't necessarily have been because the companion that they showed off was a chain chomp. But in this game, as far as I can tell, you don't have companions. It's just Mario on his own, which is, like I said, n- like no characters because Mario himself is barely a character as is. Huh. So I mean, I had I've had quite a bit of fun with Super Paper. Oh my God! I keep calling it that. With Paper Mario. Well, I guess it's fitting considering a lot of people are saying that's basically what it's like. But I really enjoyed Super Paper Mario. Then again, I really enjoyed Super Paper Mario. Yeah, so I'll I'll probably still give this a shot. I I think I'm just a little bit harder on it because I had – I love the Paper Mario series. Between Paper Mario and Mario and Luigi series, I mean those are my RPGs. Those are the RPGs that I personally love the most. And this is just, it just feels, it feels hollow compared to the other one. I mean, it has interesting, nice gameplay. I mean, the the whole turn-based uh, action battle system is just as preserved as ever. It just feels so, it, it just feels like they've taken out so much of the complexity of the other ones. And they released something very, very simple and too approachable for someone who is very familiar with the series already. I'm I'm not sure if you would agree with that wording or not, Knuckles. It just it, it feels almost too casualized. 
I do not agree with the term of casual of casual, so I guess I wouldn't agree with it. If you're saying it's been simplified, um, yeah, I mean, compared to other RPGs I've played, it's definitely been been simplified. Simplified to a fault. I mean, even the Paper Mario series as a whole is a very simple RPG series, but I mean, this is simple among simple. Hmm. Well, regardless, I've had quite a bit of fun with it so far, um, though it remains to be seen whether or not I'll play it beyond the first world. I you know, think I've uh, made it to... I've, I ju- I've made it to the boss of the second, but I've also done things a little bit out of order. I'm pseudo kind of through the third, but not quite yet. I, I hate that to- word. Pseudo. Hmm? It's not pseudo a- just pisses me off for some reason. It's not a word that's a prefix. <laughs> pseudo 3D. It's not really 3D, but we're still going to call it 3D. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, um, let's. Oh, I haven't mentioned what I've been playing. Well, right now, as we speak, I'm playing Sonic and All Stars Racing Transformed. Because, Yay. as we'll know at the beginning of the news, it's been pretty much leaked everywhere. The stores are very confused about its release date because it got was originally the 20th, and then it got pushed up to the 18th. Walmart's got it advertised as coming out on the 15th. Uh, some GameStops have already been giving it out, and Gamefly, who I rent through, has uh, gone ahead and given me uh, a copy. Uh, they sent it out yesterday, and it just arrived uh, today, about one hour ago. Yeah, I tried to do that myself, but uh, Gamefly says there's something up with my account, and so I'm probably never gonna. So I'm probably never gonna use Gamefly now because I. Barely wanted, I barely had any interest in Gamefly to begin with. I would recommend checking out their used game section. Their used prices are very, very low. Mm. Yeah. But other than that, it's best. It's a best. It's a probably it's a good uh, rental service if they're near a, if they're in a city near you where they can get you uh, your copy within one or two days. Dare I ask uh, spoiler? Perhaps spoilers for later in the podcast. No. Yes. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Do, has Sega made any sort of comment on whether or not this will be Wii U downloadable day one? Okay, yeah. Um, you, I did ask Aaron Weber, that'll, which will be on later in the show. Well, I believe I mentioned that at the beginning. Um, yeah. No, it ah. won't be available. It won't be uh, available on PS3 uh, day one download either. Did they so give that's going to be... Um, Is he, there said, any he said his catchphrase, stay tuned. <laughs> So he says, stay tuned. It'll probably be available later on, you know, probably next year. Well, uh, I have no qualms with giving Sega lots of my money, so I'll probably just end up rebuying it digitally then. Uh, of course, it helps nope. that uh, my debt. Of course, it helps that I can afford to do that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank so- you, Nintendo, and your bizarre way of. Digital releases. Uh, well, well to be honest, I mean, PS3 isn't doing it either, and they have a digital one, <coughs> day one digital campaign going on right now. Yeah, on but don't Sony? you remember the use? Do you remember the Ubisoft comments that basically, yeah, we can't wait to get our stuff up as soon as Nintendo says we can or something. It, the fact that Nintendo has to say they can and it is not on day one is not a good sign. No, I mean, they're going Nintendo to have a day one update. They don't even have everything ready parties. to go. 
for the press, uh, you know, Wii U's either. Uh, so yeah, as soon as you as soon as you load up your Wii U, you're gonna have a day one uh, download to do to update the system. Welcome to Sonic Talk Cynical Edition. <laughs> oh, you're the only cynical person here. I'm. Oh yes, I'm, I'm the only plan. cynical one here. Okay. I'm yeah. just tired, so I have a very downbeat voice. Well, I I would say GX is more cynical and you're more cranky. I'm not cranky, <laughs> goddammit. Fuck you. <laughs> And I just stickied my own my, my own people. God, I suck at Halo. Anyway, so on to our news. Uh, as I mentioned before, the street deck of Sonic and Sega All-Stars Racing has been pretty much broken everywhere. I'm playing it right now, and leaks are already underway. And pretty much, unless you've uh, been avoiding the forums, you probably know what new racers are in it and what new tracks are in it. But I'm not going to leak that here in case you want to be surprised. I do. We don't get many surprises in gaming anymore. Although I had a I had a small argument with GX yesterday. He thinks you think that uh, spoilers in a racing game don't really count as spoilers? No. Uh, I'd like to reinforce the context of what this game is. Yes, it is a mas- It is a uh, Sega Super Character mashup. But at the end of the day, Kart Racer. Kart. Racer. A card racer that's going to have some surprises for people who didn't spoil things. Yeah, especially who are fans of this, uh, you know, Sega's long history. They, uh, just like any other kind of thing, they, there's going to be things they want to be surprised with. I remember the back in my younger is... days, I could play a game and it would be a completely new experience. And now these days, it's like everything gets spoiled. Oh, those dang kids on their internets telling me about my games. Can't (laughs) know anything anymore. Getting on my lawn. Get off my lawn. (laughs) Uh, Shut up, you goddamn hippies. Sonic the Fighters. I hear that has achievements. Yep, that's got got its own leaks. Uh, The achievements have been revealed, and they've been revealed to be pretty much super easy. I mean, if you go through the game and... Beat it the way you normally will. Uh, you'll probably end up with eighty percent of the of the achievements unlocked. Yeah, well, uh, hey, I don't have mind. That. Uh, I'm, have they said anything about the all the screenshots for that game have had this bizarre border over it? The, do you know if the game has they said anything about the game itself having borders or anything? Um, no, I didn't because re- uh, you know Aaron's not brand manager on Sonic the Fighter, so I didn't really talk about that. Uh, but well, yeah. but it uh, looks like it's going to be supporting not you know 16 by 9 but f- probably 4 by 3. Mm. So that's probably why the the borders are there. Although I'm seeing some screenshots that look 16 by 9, but it could be they're just stretched. I I hope they stre- I hope they at least give the option to stretch because I I'd love to not have another Sonic Adventure DX situation. <laughs> Yeah, they usually do that. I mean, with most games, I could people, care less. Most fighting games, they give you the option to stretch. And when I play it on, you know, the uh, GameCube, I prefer having it stretched out. Oh, I'm sorry. I meant to say I couldn't care less. <laughs> um, personally, I well, I, well, I would love to see them do if it's too expensive for them to, uh, I don't know, stretch it or whatever. Uh, is uh, give us some sort of cabin art to fill in that extra space. So it gets boring blue stuff. I like some cabinet art. Yeah, I mean, it was an arcade game, so you'd think they could do that. Yeah, that would be kind of cool. I do, I'm still, we still don't know what the uh, launch date is. 
I mean, we have achievements showing. In Japan, it's supposed to be out, you know, later this month, but we have no idea when it's coming out here. For some reason, when it comes to digital titles, they never announce the they they never announce the release date until uh, like two weeks before it's coming, or even a week, or even a few days. It yeah. really depends. Yeah, it depends Honestly, on how well they even of... know it. I mean, with the digital platforms, it it has proven time and time again that the publishers aren't necessarily always in the know of what the the console owners, uh, the the big uh, companies are actually going to do with their stuff. I mean, they can at least get it somehow able to be synced up, but for some reason, I don't know why that they can necessarily not have absolute control over that kind of stuff. It's weird. We are entering a weird era. And speaking of digital releases, and what's not really news much is that, you know, everyone knew this is going to happen eventually. The sky hey, is everyone. blue! Sonic, <laughs> there's going to be Sonic games in 2013. Oh, wow. that coming. <laughs> the, concerning, the concerning word there is games with a plural. Well, oh, yeah. The, the only thing that was really leaked is he said there was going to be one boxed game and a few digital titles that are Sonic. So it's probably going to be like an iOS title, maybe something... Uh, yeah, it could be Sonic handheld. 4 Episode 3 for all we know, or maybe a sequel, uh, Sonic Jump 2 or something like that. But you the know, thing really is, this is all we know, so it's not, really, it's not really much for news. I mean, yeah, there's some Sonic games coming out. I, big surprise, right? <laughs> guys, guys, Sonic games are coming out. Yeah! And they're yeah. going to be good! Maybe that, that could be Possibly. that could be We're gonna make sure they don't suck. <laughs> we promise they'll be better than Sonic 06. Well, that's uh, pretty. To be fair, we're approaching the. Uh, to be fair, we're basically six years after that game is released. I mean, that and was that the early still HD. Has left a big crater in the fandom. Yes, it certainly. No, did. it left a crater. Everyone slightly outside of the fandom looking into the fandom whatever and yeah like this is going to be a pretty quick episode on our last little piece of news sonic is going to once again appear in the macy's thanksgiving day parade as a balloon epic i i need to try to catch it this year didn't they say if i can be until 20 what 16 or something or 2015 i'm not sure I didn't I, know they had a contract thing with that. Joining the likes of all the other balloons that are there. Like yeah. Pikachu. Like Felix Pikachu. the Cat and Mickey Mouse. I, I, I don't think they still have Felix the Cat. I would be very, very surprised if they had Felix. I know they have Felix. Oh, they should. Felix the Cat is an icon. They have Felix the Cat. They painted him blue and put uh, blades on his back, and he's Sonic the Hedgehog. Jason Barry, remember Felix the Cat from when you were a kid? Actually, yes. They used to show old reruns on TV. Going to those uh, old uh, um, Penny penny theaters. (laughs) When I was a kid, they used to have these little quarter theaters. Like if I was in a store and your parents wanted to keep you occupied, They'd put a quarter in, and you could watch like two cartoons in a little. In a little oh my booth. God! Whatever. What happened to that? They were old, like old crappy Who's cartoons. The usually. Person on this podcast right now. Yeah, I am the oldest person on this podcast. Yeah, you're like what, sixty, seventy? No, forty. 
anyway, yeah, but that's yeah, they used to have it. those as a kid, and uh, one of them was uh, Felix the Cat, and whatever you probably never heard of Impossible Possum or Possible uh, Possum. I, I vaguely heard of it. My brother's about your age. So. And uh, see Heckle and Jekyll, and uh, now, but before Woody Woodpecker. Before I get hate from absolutely no one, I'm going to go back on what I said and say, no, I actually – I care about Felix. It, it was uh, Heathcliff that I don't give a crap about. I was but getting – Mike Gallagher cart- created Heathcliff. How could you say that? Who? Mike Gallagher. Perhaps, but I don't care about Heathcliff. Well, I don't care about you, so there. I didn't Heathcliff, know you Heathcliff, it, no one I'm should so terrify the neighborhood. <laughs> That is literally the only thing I remember about that show. It, I remember him being a. I remember him being a Garfield lookalike, except and a vaguely um, memorable theme song. Except he had these rivals, Riff Raff and his uh, pals, his girlfriend, you know, that looked like love, they were out of an anime. That looked nothing like the classic the other characters. You know, like what are the odds that they would have two um, comic book cacks who are orange and fat? Well, Heathcliff came way before Garfield. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think they, I think they actually make fun of that in Robot. Jesus Chicken. freaking Christ, guys! <laughs> Let's move on. I need to get to bed at a reasonable time oh, tonight. Quick, I work tomorrow. <laughs> we already, we got through all the news. We can ramble on for if a bit about too, bullshit. No, if it gets too late, I'm dropping the call. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Well, I mean, so we're, that's Heathcliff. our last piece of news. We're on to comic talk now. And that's going to be our last bit before the interview with Aaron Weber. Um, so the first up is Sonic 242, where Sonic and friends go to the Olympics. Um, basically, it's uh, you know an, another time, another place story because they wanted to promote the, I guess Mario and Sonic Olympics thing way, way yeah, too late. Right. I mean, way too late. And he basically uh, uh, competes uh, with Metal Sonic. Uh, to rescue all of his friends and such, and it's a fun little uh, it's a fun little side story. I mean, there's not much going on. It was cute there. and uh, fun. Sonic in... comic from 1993. No, it was better than that. Let's give it more credit than that. Hey, it was it, definitely it better those than kinds Sonic of stories in 1993. Have you ever read the Spinball one? Yes, that's, actually. That's actually on the uh, Sonic Super Digest. Dear I read all of the early Sonic comics when I was a kid. Dear Lord, no, I kid. It's hard to go back to that stuff. <laughs> uh, no, this don't have the powerful stuff was cute. Uh, sense this, of nostalgia. This had this had the um, playfulness of their Sonic X series. I yeah, thought, which I really liked. I, I I really enjoyed the Sonic X series for being you know lighthearted and, and comical. It was kind of. It was cute and dumb and silly and a lot better than their All-Stars tie-in. Yeah, and it was kind of cool to see, like, Marine and uh, Cream teaming up for once, because, you know, they, you never see them together since they're on alternate dimensions. I kind of wish they'd almost establish some sort of video game continuity where they could tell these kind of... No, no. No, 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 me. Before I no. even... Yeah, um, that's but, essentially uh, what they've already done. I guess wouldn't mind if they connected it a bit more. As, as cheesy as that it was, was I also like the chronicles. Uh, as cheesy as it was, I also liked that the fact that he used like the mantra from the Olympics, so the from the Olympic rings, to power <laughs> to power himself up with the Olympics. I thought that was a little too corny. 
Now, it, yeah, it was totally corny, 92. but it was cute and it was kind of educational because I've never actually seen that man- mantra before about what the rings represent and such. Now, that so, was that, totally 92. Yeah, that was a little bit edu- – it was educational for kids. I mean, this is really a, a kid's issue. Yeah. Speaking of which, uh, the first Sonic Super Digest number one came out now, and that has lots of uh, kids-friendly stories and very newbie-friendly stories. You don't really have to know any of the continuity of Sonic to enjoy the book. And it has, like, the origins of Larry Link's Super Jinx and uh, Shard, who was originally Metal Sonic 2.0 in there. And to give oh, a yeah, background uh, info. Issue 80, 88 and 87 and 88? 86 and 87, I believe. Whatever. <laughs> Not that it matters. Uh, and yeah. quite a, uh, one uh, Sally story, which is that when she turns the Namekka Sally the first time back in when Art Winnie was doing the book and stuff. So this is... Her being a robot, it's not its not like it's a new thing. She, that was one of the first Sonic comics I ever read. Yeah. And the rest of them were all like Amy Rose short stories. There was quite a few of those in there. Because they wanted to have like a... Amy Rose short story. Yeah, it, they just wanted to have like a Sonic and... I mean, a Sally and Amy kind of book thing. Plus, at the very beginning, for like uh, newbie fans, they had little small adaptions of Sonic Colors and Sonic Unleashed. And in between, you get a lot of uh, small articles and some cool artwork by Dubs. It sounds like this comic is like 300 pages long. <laughs> no, it's only 128 pages, which uh, at and it's um, four dollars, which for 128 pages, that's like almost graphic novel thick. For yeah. that price, it's a very good price. But it's also available uh, mass marketly. Uh, I mean, more of a mass market book than the regular Sonic comic is. You can find this at most grocery stores. And what's the paper grade? It, I I saw it at Stater Brothers for the first time. I'd recommend if you're gonna buy this, get it on digital. Because <laughs> okay. it, it, I mean, the, you can read you can read the word balloons fine, but the print it makes the pictures very very dark and it's newsprint. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's uh, actually more than anything I was curious really about. Nice. I mean, uh, the one with uh, Sally and Amy on it showing some of their p- kind of past history, although it kind of makes them look like they're best friends or whatever, the John Gray pinup is really cool. I mean, you oh, got... I bet, plus I got some uh, Amy Rose fans have issue with that. I'm sure. <laughs> anyway, but you also have um, Professor Pick- Pickle and Wentos with their own articles talking in it, which is very, very cool. I wasn't expecting that until i read about it that's what actually got me to buy the digest right away is the fact that professor pickle and wentos are in it i mean that's the that's the biggest uh tough sell for me is that i mean mean, it's it's easier for me to get this if it at least has some original content uh but i mean i already buy all the archives and all the sonic selects because those are so good i mean it's it's if it had, do you feel that it has enough original content to just kind of justify the purchase, or if you own everything else, is it, it really worth it? It depends on us. If you're a diehard uh, Sonic fan, I'd say there's about maybe 20 pages or less of original content. That would be including little articles and uh, letters, and like Professor Pickles talking about real life hedgehogs, and there's there's art of like uh, the Sonic and the other hedgehogs looking at the little uh, photorealistic. Uh, Baby Hedgehog. Like, who, who do you feel that this is probably aimed towards most? Kids and people who are new to the series. Okay. 
and but mostly kids. But it's because it, it's a very kid friendly. It's very continuity f- continuity friendly. You don't have to worry about knowing all the characters and everything. So you could just jump. It's something you can just jump right in. Spiffy. Kind of like the Archie Digest themselves. It's more it's more kids related unless you you know a big Archie fan. Plus, it's a it's a good impulse buy at four dollars for over a hundred pages. Yeah. The only problem I see is on the line we have a Supersonic magazine that also reprints stories, and it's almost it's almost the exact same format here. I thought they were ditching the Supersonic magazine in favor of these digests. I mean, I thought the digests were the replacement. I don't think so because they're doing a poster issue now, and I believe oh, they're doing that's an issue. True. I, I believe they that. are doing an issue after that of uh, of a supersonic special number six. In fact, I think uh, they do have a preview of that. Hmm. So that's going to be know, a problem it, if they got like two different little magazines that are reprinting Sonic issues of, especially when they're just supposed to be short stories out of outside of main continuity. You're going to have a, uh, eventually just run out of material. You know, uh, oh, they're never going to run out of material. In most well, they have 400 issues to work with. So, In most situations, I would complain about them like redoing this stuff over and over again. But you know what? I would say in this age of comics, I want them to just do whatever they have to do in order to keep making what they make. So if you're going to reprint stuff, I've been waiting for them to do a digest for years now. I always thought, you know, why don't they just use the archives? I say, yeah, I say if they're going to do one or the other, do the digest just because it becomes more available for new customers. No, I want the archives, but the archives are so nice. Oh, I'm not talking about, no, they're going to keep doing the archives. I was talking about Supersonic Special Magazine. Ah, well, yeah, sure. I'd rather oh, have the digest than the magazine, just because it's more accessible to new readers. Well, it's it's a weird trade. It's a weird trade-off. Kind of pointless. Because the magazine is newsprint, and it's just reprinting stories, and it's ten dollars. And the only yeah. difference is the pages are larger. Really. Yeah, I mean, I I can definitely agree with that. I would say the poster edition is perhaps the most justified of all of yeah, them. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. That comes out, I think, in a week or two. Ooh, in, fa- in fact, I believe it's late. It's supposed to be out by now. Does that just have posters, or does it have some... I think it has think? some regular articles, too, and some posters. So that's what I'm really interested in. So, well, let's bring on the Sonic. <laughs> well, and that looks like that's actually all I have. Unless, uh, unless you guys want to talk about like the original Sonic and Sega All-Stars Racing or something, that's... Uh, I would like to sleep at some point tonight so i would say no. <laughs> sleep is for the week okay yes, that's gonna be it now. for us I, uh i'm getting deja vu here uh for us on this episode uh stay tuned because we'll be having the aaron weber interview coming up right now and that's gonna be it oh uh make sure to check out gx's uh my little pony comic called uh, horsepower it's available on emeraldcoastcomics.net and did I get that right? Yes. Horsepower. Horsepower.emeraldcoastcomics.net. New yeah, which is doing... Actually, it's yeah. about horses. Yes, <laughs> colorful which horses. Is, which is doing so well that it's actually being translated into Russian now. <laughs> Apparently, yes. I am very pleased. Uh, pe- people on the internet are awesome. None of my Sonic comics have ever been translated into another language, so... 
That just shows oh, you how popular that uh, pony fandom is. Didn't uh, feature horses. And of course, you can uh, catch me in an upcoming, uh, and of course, me and GX in an upcoming podcast of the Spin Dash, which should be up about the same time this podcast itself is up. Am I right, GX? Uh, ideally, yes. Um, if you're, if this is supposed to be up Friday, I will do what I have. To. I've, I'm at least on the other end of whatever was going through my system. So ideally, yes, I plan on working on this as soon as I hang up and uh, etc. Yes. And who wouldn't want a double dose of me? I mean, I'm just so damn lovable. Eh, I, I could go for less. Shakes, are you <laughs> suggesting a comic crossover? A co- You mean a podcast crossover? No, a comic crossover. With who? With our comics. Oh, you mean with... Oh, you uh, mean Sonic Eggs and My Little Pony? Yes! Wow, I was not expecting you to suggest something like that. That's okay. Uh, I'm Jeff not be... suggesting it very well either. <laughs> well, I'm not if, saying if it'll Jack, be if good. If Jack can draw it, I can try to figure out something. But the problem is I don't watch the show, so I don't really have enough uh, re- enough material to be able to write with. That's no, okay. No, no. GX can do it. That's okay. We can work on it together, then strangle each other in the process. Well, this got, well we'll... Joined together with the power of teamwork writing thing. Oh, God. Then, <laughs> then annoyance. Then spite. Then brutal hatred. I then love violence. spite. S- <laughs> spite is like... Spite is my favorite beverage. Yes, spite, spite is that tiny purple dragon person, isn't he? Yes. Or, <laughs> and that's going to do it for tonight. Uh Thank you very much, everyone, for showing up. I know it uh, was kind of a last-minute thing, and uh, Knuckles didn't really <coughs> have too much time, so we uh, really th- thank you for sque- being able to squeeze this in. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be it. Goodbye. Peace out, dude. <laughs> And welcome, everyone, to the interview portion of the show. I'm sure you all just skipped ahead over here. Shame on you. You don't even watch our news and everything that we work so hard. Anyway, uh, today we got a special guest, uh, the, the next one on our uh, Sega employee collection. I'm only think I'm only missing Julian now. <laughs> and, the, uh, and, the jan- and the Sega janitor, I'm sure. We'll make it appear someday. <laughs> a man who needs no introduction. He's a 
tends to get sick after the third or fourth track at a go-kart race. <laughs> Just yep, kidding. Yep. Maybe the eighth or ninth or 15th track lap. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I couldn't even make a, I, we did the first two practice runs. And of course the second one I thought was the actual race. That's right, by that that's time, right. we were like, oh, forget it. We're just exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I'm overdoing the intro here. Uh, it's Aaron Weber. Hello. Thanks for having me. Oh, I love having you. It's great to finally have you on here. We, you've been on our uh, Bits podcast before, um, the Swing and Report show, but I've never had you on Sonic Talk, so I'm, glad, I'm very glad to have you here. You know, you're one of my favorites. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and... Uh, so you're a brand manager on quite a few games uh, this year. Uh, yeah, at the moment, uh, let's see, three three that are going on right now that have either just come out or are, are coming out in the near future. Three Sega games. Ah, ah, ah. Three games, <laughs> yes. Okay, and then we'll be talking about those uh, three games uh, just just a moment. We got Super Monkey Ball Banana Splits, Sonic and All-Stars Racing Transformed, and of course, Anarchy Range, which is just coming up over the hill in the next year, mm-hmm. right? It's there in January. That's right. All right. Now on uh, Super Monkey Ball Banana Splits, I downloaded the DMs DLC, but I'm having a real hard time finding all the little items that were mentioned. Uh, could you uh, go into that? Sure. So all of the DLC is primarily focused around the level editor, and the level editor is kind of neat just because it's sort of like infinite number of, of monkey ball levels you can create. But the trick is uh, the, the harder you shake whenever you're shaking the Vita to create the level, uh, the harder that level is going to be. So uh, some of the pieces, like if you're not shaking it very hard, you might not see some of those really tricky pieces, which are at least two or three of the DLC packs are just like interesting floor pieces that show up. So if you don't shake it very hard, you might not see those. So one of the things I would recommend if you want to see the really hard pieces is to just go crazy when you're shaking it and get one of the hardest maps possible. And, of course, experiment, too, because uh, based on what you take a picture of, you're going to get very different combinations sometimes. And uh, it seems kind of random at points as to what you're going to get. But the general rule of thumb is if you shake it like crazy, you'll get a really crazy level. Yeah, I have a tip for anybody who's uh, trying to do the level creators. Um, I've noticed a good tip is to just have a nice uh, blank background to go with the object that you're taking a picture of. Absolutely. Like I was doing it at work, and uh, ironically enough, I had a banana right there, and a nice <laughs> blank white table. You know, took a shot of that, and it came out a nice uh, banana shape right there on the level. But nice. is there anything else more to the edit mode besides like taking a picture and it becomes a maze? I mean, can you uh, can you arrange objects or arrange how the levels themselves are shaped? Uh, n- not really. It's not so much like a little big planet in terms of level creator. Um, but it is sort of a, a cool feature in that it's just uh, an infinite number of levels that you could create. Of course, the, the challenge there is you just have to have something to take a picture of to, to make that level. Um, and you can, you can kind of uh, craft levels to the way you want them to be slightly by either using you know, different objects or kind of aligning things in a certain way and then shaking to whatever level you want the difficulty to be. Um, so, yeah, not like a, not like a little big planet. Level creator mode, but I mean, if that's something that people really liked, if people enjoyed the the level creator mode, uh, you know, please do do let us know because all feedback is good. Uh, With I, the I iOS and Android Monkey Ball games being much cheaper, uh, Super Monkey Ball is its own competition basically. Can you tell us? Uh, 
you tell our audience what makes this version stand out above the other ones available on iPhone? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, probably two big things that, that I would say. The first one is that it's got online play, which is kind of a really neat thing that most monkey ball games have not really done in the past. Like, I don't think any monkey ball game is, has an actual online play in the past, and that's really cool to me personally as a kind of a fan of the franchise. The second thing, and this is one for the older fans, is that a lot of these super difficult stages have returned. And so the natural evolution of Super Monkey Ball through the years, and you've, you've probably seen this, most Sega fans have seen this, is that as it went on to the Nintendo platforms, it kind of started getting a little easier, a little easier, and a little easier following the GameCube days. And so there was, there was kind of a shift in the difficulty of, of the game. And yeah, I, know a lot of, I believe there was a lot of criticism like on the 3DS version about the ease of difficulty. Yeah, no, there was. And, and so that was a, a piece of feedback that, that the team really took to heart, and they said, you know, we don't want to make it so ridiculously hard that if you're new to Monkey Ball and this is the first game you pick up in the franchise, you just go, oh, my goodness, what is this? Why is this so frustratingly crazy hard? And you throw it down. But they also wanted to cater to those people that, that were saying, you know, I beat the game in, you know, five or six, ten hours, and it was just too easy. And I want levels that are so hard that I throw my Vita across the room in rage because it's just that difficult. You know, there are people out there that, that really like that challenge because when you finally beat that level, it's just a really great feeling of, of being like, I conquered this amazing foe that, that killed me 305 times. Not that I was counting, of course. But uh, so that's probably the two biggest things is we've got a return of higher level difficulty for the old fans and it's optional. So the new fans don't have to worry about, you know, jumping into that if they're afraid of it. And then second, you've got the online play. Yeah, would you say this is the most challenging of the Super Monkey Ball games? I'd say it's one of them. Um, I'd say some of the originals actually were pretty tough, too. Yeah, the advanced mode is just kicking my butt <laughs> pretty bad. Yeah, we, we demoed it at, uh, at at E3, actually. We showed off a couple of the, not even the fully advanced levels, just, just the harder levels. And uh, there were maybe 18 people in all of E3 that were able to beat it. I kept I kept track, actually. Because I was giving them special prizes if they could actually complete the level. So, yeah, it's nice to see that difficulty return. <laughs> That's true. Uh, yeah, it's been kicking my butt pretty good on that one. Now, when it comes to controls, uh, are you a stick man or a tilt man? I am totally a stick man on that one. Uh, I tried the tilt. The tilt got me killed a lot, and and finally I was like, all right, I keep flying off the stage with tilt, so I'm just gonna just gonna stick to the old tried and true. I'm, I'm uh, different. I prefer the tilt myself. I mean, it's uh, oh, really? yeah, it's something where I've gotten used to it over iPhone, and it ma it makes sense when because you are physically tilting a level, whether you're doing joystick or or right. tilt, and to make the monkey you know go where he wants for. So for me, it has a more analog, more precise feel. Uh, that's, right. that's just me on that. No, that's a good point, and I I kind of am in the the opposite crowd too. So uh, I played a lot of the older ones, like the ones that were were GameCube and uh, didn't play as many of the iPhone ones. So yeah, I noticed that um, E3. Uh, one of the head level designers. Um, oh, I'm sorry, I don't know his name right right now. Uh, is uh, is Jun Tokuhara. Yeah, and yeah. he's actually the, the the producer for the game over in Japan, and he is awesome at, at tilt mode. Like he turned on tilt mode and just like beat all of the levels on his first go. And I looked at him like, how did you? What? Like mine just <laughs> blown. You know, it was awesome. Yeah, it seems like he likes to tilt himself. Um, what is your favorite of the Monkey Ball uh, minigames? Of the minigames? You know, it's going to be an obvious answer, but I've got to go with Monkey Target. 
absolutely monkey target. Yeah, that is one of the best. Yeah, I, I played that one, you know, a long time ago. And I had a friend, actually, uh, who introduced me to Super Monkey Ball, a guy that I knew from uh, from theater back in college. And he's like, this game is great. you got to try it. you got to check it out. And so he introduced me to all the, the, the mini games. And, oh, man, M- Monkey Target's one of those ones that you just, like, look back on very fondly because it was almost – we could have just sold Monkey Target as a game on its own, I think. Like, that's how kind of enjoyable it is to a lot of people. So Monkey Target being one of the ones that everyone wanted to see return – uh, having it back and having those extra modes. I don't know if you tried the really hard version of Monkey Target yet. Uh, no. Smack. Oh, man. Well, just to say there's, like, there's upgraded versions, essentially, and the difficulty spikes a bit. And so one of them you have to actually land in between uh, the statue, one of the statues that is like smashing his fists down in sort of a regular beat. And so you have to do is drop out of the air, knock that, and land on the target in between his fists. So it's it's oh. crazy. Yeah, <laughs> that's the one level that's killing me in normal mode is when their fists are just constantly pounding up and down and trying to get past there. I can only imagine yeah. that in target mode. How tough that'd be. Yeah, so essentially you have to come in from the side and uh, and swoop down and, and go for it. But it's really really cool whenever you finally nail it and you're like, yes, got it. So yeah, that's probably my favorite mini game, Monkey Target for sure. All right. Um. And now we're on to the main portion. We, I mean, this is a Sonic uh, podcast, so we're going to talk about Sonic. And Sega, uh, pardon me, Sonic and All Stars Racing transformed. <laughs> you almost called this the first game. Yeah, <laughs> that's something I'll be talking about in a bit. Um, yes. Now uh, I only got a few questions from our readers and our staff here, but and the rest is just for me now. From uh, GX, who's been a co-host on the show, and he runs his own podcast called the Spin Dash. Awesome guy. Mm-hmm. He wants to know if Sonic and Sega Racing trans. So Sonic and All-Stars <laughs> Racing Transformed will be available day one uh, on download on Wii U. Uh, on the Wii U. Uh, so for day one, I would say don't expect it. All right. And so you're going to want to head into the stores and uh, and grab a copy there. Uh, will uh, PS3 be a day one or no? Uh, no. All right. That's important for him to know because uh, he, he uh, usually likes to prefer just having them, I guess, on his hard drive, but... Well, and he's it's, gonna it's, get it. He's gonna he's gonna have to get it on disc. Imagine. Yeah, well, that, that's an interesting point. I mean, um, you you want to kind of stay tuned because you know in the long term we typically do digital releases of, of some games, but uh, when the game comes out, you know you want to get it day one, week one. You want to be on there racing with your friends uh, for pretty much all the versions of Start. You're gonna want to get out there and grab it in the store. Okay. Uh, now, were there any characters you wanted to see in uh, the game that haven't been included? Oh, yeah. Um, man, I could give you a list of, like, 50, but I won't to save you a little bit of time. Um, let's see. Because this is coming out on Friday, some people have already seen the roster, so I can I can speak a bit more freely about these without accidentally deconfirming characters. Um, I would have loved to see more Skies of Arcadia characters, but that's just because I'm a huge Skies of Arcadia nerd. Uh, so characters like Aika or Fina would have been awesome, I think. Um some other favorite characters of mine from, from Sega franchises. Uh, I know a lot of people really like the, the Sega Gaga kid, and they wanted him to be in there. I was kind of like, eh. But uh, Sega Sanshiro is probably one of my favorite all-time Sega people in terms of just his, his overall presentation in the commercials for the Sega Saturn. He's just one of the most, um, how to put it, he's like the Chuck Norris of Sega, I think. Right. <laughs> Describe Sega Sanshiro. 
so he's pretty cool. I, I don't know what the rights are for him, though, because that's an actual actor. You know, in Japan, they hire to do that. So I'm sure it's, it is not an easy one to try and get him. Um, those are just a, a few examples. Um, there's lots of great Sega franchises out there. And so I think that the cool thing about games like, like this one is that you've got such a wealth of characters that you can pick from that it's, it's kind of great because no matter where you go, you're going to find a character that someone out there in the world is going to go, that is so awesome that they picked that guy to be in the game. And then conversely, because there are so many other good ones, uh, for everyone you don't pick, someone's going to come up and be like, well, why didn't they get my favorite character? But uh, no, I really appreciate that, that the roster that we do have is a really good one. I appreciate that Knights is a, is a playable character this time. Mm-hmm. After all of the, you know, the stuff from the first game and the, the Don't Forget Knights campaign, I think that's really cool to see. And I'm just, I'm actually really stoked for Vice as, as a Skies fan. So. Yeah, that's still pretty awesome. My only regret is, is there's not an, I don't think there's enough from the very early, like, 80s Sega, maybe Zaxxon or Hang On or Congo Bongo from, and not as enough from the modern, like for Bayonetta or Valkyria Chronicles. But that, that's just me. No, no. But, it's all, I mean, it, they did pick from the best of the Sega eras. Yeah, there's, there's a good medley there, for sure. Yeah, especially from, like, this Genesis uh, Saturn Dreamcast. They got some of the best there. Really yeah. enjoying that. All right. Um, uh, Corey Maru wants to know if you're up for a racing rematch. <laughs> well, you have to tell them the story then, or your, your listeners aren't going to know why he wants a rematch. Uh, to be honest, I don't know the story. He just told me <laughs> to add that to the oh. conversation. <laughs> the story goes a little something like we're at San Diego Comic-Con, and Corey comes up, and he's in a Shinobi outfit, and he challenges me to a multiplayer race at Sonic Racing. And I got to tell you, that was that was not the wisest idea. And I told him that because the whole week before I had been playing the demo build that we had at San Diego Comic-Con. So after a good 55 playthroughs, I figure, you know, I'm probably pretty decent at this. Um, and of course, we're, we're working the show at San Diego. So every time that no one's on it, I'm kind of hopping on, getting a race in here and there. And the other staff guy and I, you know, when you're working these shows, sometimes you get a little bored if no one's there. So we decided that whenever there was free time, whenever no one was there, we were going to speed run it and see if we could get it down to the absolute fastest possible time. Uh, so unfortunately for Corey, he came in at the end of the week when I had really perfected that speed run <laughs> and challenged me to the match. Um, and it was a very good race. I have to commend Corey, you know, on that. So Corey, great job. Uh, but yeah, at the end of it, uh, I, I did come out on top of that one. So I guess the short answer, Corey, is yes, you'll get your rematch. However, uh, be careful because I might have been playing the final version of the game a bit more than you. <laughs> I'm sure that's pretty true. Uh, as I know, as you could tell early in the start, I've been tripping over the title. It's still bugging me as slightly grammatically unsound, particularly the and <laughs> without Sega in it. Is there's like there's like no subject to go with the and for me. Uh, do you feel that maybe uh, it could be Sonic and the the All Stars Racing or just Sonic's Sonic's All Stars Racing Transformed, just uh, well, kind of flows better, kind of like Sonic's Genesis Ultimate Genesis Collection. A, a fun, yeah, it's a fun topic. You you'd be amazed how much time we spend discussing things like titles and the way that they work. And and in this case, uh, Sonic and All Stars Racing Transformed is kind of a mouthful in itself. Sonic and Sega All-Stars Racing Transformed is even more of a mouthful. Right. Uh, so the, the challenge for us, of course, is, is condensing the name to something that stays within the sort of the series, which in this case is the Sonic and All-Stars, you know, sort of series. 
but then also finding you know a good flow for it, a good sound for it. And uh, with Sonic and Sega All-Stars being the previous title, and we're adding the word transformed on the end of it, we're like, man, we really need to, to shorten this thing a bit. Because we're, we're approaching, we're very rapidly approaching like the point where, uh, you know, you've got way too many words in the title and the whole front of the box is just like words. It's just your title going all the way down the box, you know. So it's, it's a cool kind of point in that we want to find something that works really well for the game that people can, can say relatively easily. So that's why we kind of remove the, the Sega part from it. And, and plus, to be fair, the All-Stars this time are not just Sega All-Stars. That's that true. We've got a Disney All-Star now a very up-and-coming Disney all-star in the form of Wreck-It Ralph, who was doing exceptionally well at the box office. Yeah, I'm actually uh, very excited to have him in the game. Yeah, as as are we. And and when that all started, that was a really cool moment to where, like, you know, we, we're going to get this guy in the game. And, and, of course, at this point, all of us at Sega knew Sonic is in the movie. So having that cool tie-in between the two was, was really neat for us. And have, have you seen Wreck-It Ralph, by the way? Oh, yeah. Uh, I saw it on opening day, uh, right after work. Awesome, awesome. You know, and there's, there's some really cool moments... Uh, Sonic is featured a number of times in Wreck-It Ralph. Of course, he's on the public service, little advertisement in Game Central Station that we showed at Sonic Boom. But he's also, if you look closely, um, when Ralph is in uh, Tappers, uh, you'll notice that one of the, the sort of like the, the art on the walls, the little yeah. sky, one of those is going to be Sonic, and it's very visible if you look for it. Sonic's yeah, there. it's very much like a... Like the, the Where's Waldo, kind of like Where's Sonic in the uh, <laughs> movie. No, There's that, a few times I've actually yeah. missed him that people have reported on later that yeah, I, I missed it in the background. So if if anybody wants to, who's a big Sonic fan, wants to see it, I'd recommend it at least seeing it twice or three times to try to find him scuttling about in the back. Yeah, there's there's more Sega Easter eggs in, in that movie than, than you can count. Uh, actually, there's a ton of the arcade people that freeze frame it have spotted all the hidden cabinets that are there, like there's a, there's a virtual cop cabinet, there's a House of the Dead cabinet. There's all sorts of really, really cool stuff in there that that is in that movie that Sega fans might not have expected. So. Oh yeah, there's yeah. a ton of Sega fan service in that in that movie. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm excited for Ralph. I, I hope a lot of people are. And um, In addition to Ralph, we've also got Danica Patrick. So we've got one of the, the coolest sort of like non-Sega uh, other video game stars right now, which, which is Wreck-It Ralph. And then we've also got a real-life NASCAR driver, who was Danica. And I know at first the fans weren't really warming up to her. They're like, why is this real-life NASCAR woman taking one of the spots of our favorite Sega characters? And I think as time went on, we kind of explained, hang on now, she's actually an extra character, as in we added her to the final roster. So we didn't take anyone's spot. We just added her in. Right. I think they were a little bit more open to it. And now that people have seen you know, her racing, and she just had her, her race in Texas, where she drove the Sonic-branded... Uh, NASCAR, which looked really awesome. Yeah, I saw the photos of that. Yeah, it looked very, very cool. So it's a really good way for our, for us to tie in. You know, we've obviously got the Sega fans that are excited for the game. Now we've got, you know, the fans of, of Wreck-It Ralph, who, of course, will want to play it for Wreck-It Ralph. And then you've got your NASCAR fans that might typically not play a video game, uh, or at least not, not this one. They wouldn't necessarily look at this one. But when Danica's in there, you know, that gets their attention. So it's a great way, really, for Sega to kind of tie in all of these different you know, potential fan bases together and get their interest in the game. Yeah, it's, it's funny because at first I was kind of miffed. I'm like, oh, why do they have these extra racers in here that are not Sega and everything? And now I'm like, oh, well, why is, uh, you know, Vanellope Von Schweetz not in it? She's a kart <laughs> racer. <laughs> yeah, right. Why, is, why are the Sugar Rush characters not here? <laughs> and that, that's good. I think that's that's a nice perception shift that happened 
as people realize, like, Wreck-It Ralph's actually really, really awesome. The movie is great. And, and, and Danica, with all the coverage that she's getting, really fantastic, too. So, no, yeah. we're very pleased. And, and hopefully a lot of fans share that kind of that change. If they were negative before, I hope they're positive now. Yeah, I love that TV commercial that they put out just recently. The one with, with I, her, I, yeah, yeah, with her and I, I and Sonic. Yeah, uh, fruit and pie and fruit pies, if you read the sign. Yeah, it reminds me a lot of the old uh, 90s Genesis commercials before oh, <laughs> I.I. getting abused. I was expecting him to scream <laughs> Sega right at the end, you know? Oh, yeah. You know, that's that's actually a really good compliment, I think. Uh, I'll, I'll pass that on to the, the people that were most involved in that ad. Okay, and look, speaking of commercials, it looks like the Wii U trailer's been turning some heads. I've read some comments uh both on Sega Bits and on Sonic Stadium, people just been switching pre-orders now that they've seen what all the features that the Wii U version has to offer. Do you feel the Wii U version is the best one coming out, or just the one with the most perks? I don't really know if there's a best version, in my opinion. Um, I think all the versions are really, really cool. Some of them just have different features. Um, and, you know, every version, just like with the last um, installment in the game, we had different characters. You know, they were exclusive. Like 360 had Banjo Kazooie last time around. You know, and Nintendo had the the Miis. So every version kind of has their own unique elements to it. And I think it's not really a question of which is best, but which is most fun and most exciting for you. And so that that's all, you know, up to the, the player and, of course, what consoles you own. Um, but the Wii U does have some cool stuff on it. So one of the neat things that it's got is just the gamepad. And with the gamepad, you can do a lot of cool things. One of the things that we're doing is we've added a, a rearview mirror to it. So when you hold up the gamepad, you can actually see behind you with, with that rear view mirror going on, and you've got a weapon cam. So if I fire a rocket at some a poor unsuspecting soul, let's let's just say it's Cory Maru who I'm racing against. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can watch the rocket home in on him, and I will know exactly when it hits him or exactly when he like deflects it or dodges it. So it's kind of neat because um, these these features are there. There's really cool things you can do with, with the Wii U. Uh, and with the gamepad, though, you can even take it to a five-person offline local play, which is really cool, because five-player five is a... It's almost a weird term. We're, all, we're always used to four-player. That was, that was like, the, the highest you could do. And so five-player offline is a really, really neat, I think, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, just, uh, just having two-player without having to have split-screen is an amazing thing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, speaking of uh, Wii U functions, uh, we know one of the Wii U uh, features is uh, tilt controls. You can just tilt the... Uh, Gamepad like a steering wheel. Uh, will this apply also to the PS3 and its six-axis, yeah, six-axis controller? To my knowledge, that's focused exclusively towards the Wii U. Hmm. Now, that that said, I will I will check in with our PD group and just make sure. But I'm, I'm no, sure it, it might because uh, I was just playing the uh, first version, Sonic and Sega All Stars Racing, and it did have tilt controls with the PS3 version. Although it, it did for me, it just didn't work out as, as well as <laughs> using the joystick. But I thought, oh, I'll give it a shot. Yeah, we'll, we'll confirm that for you and make sure. Okay, Doug. Um, what is your favorite of the newly remixed tunes in the game? Oh, man, there's a lot. Um, so Richard Jacques did a lot of the, uh, the, the newly remixed tunes. And his stuff, ever since, I think, Sonic 3D Blast in, in that era, his stuff has just been fantastic. So I'm a big fan of his music. Uh, I would say probably the, the Toot Toot Sonic Warrior one is actually one of my favorites, believe it or not. Uh, that's, a, that's one of the first ones out the gate. Uh. It is. It's one of the ones you hear in the very beginning of the game, and when you hear it, I, I really liked it just because it was a memorable moment when I was like, wait a minute, I know this. 
this is, oh man, I know this song. And, and that was like my first experience with that level when we first saw it internally. So that was pretty cool. Alrighty. Um, what, what went into deciding which Sega properties went to the game and which didn't? Well, a lot of things. Um, <laughs> it's fun because these discussions are always very big discussions. So there's no one person that just sits down and goes, I like this guy, this guy, that guy, and this girl. And we'll just, we'll pull them in. Um, so way, way back after the first game had released, we actually uh, started kind of just brainstorming and saying which characters would we like to explore, which characters would people like to see in. And a lot of different teams gave feedback. And um, I wrote Vice's name on the list as one of them, and I wrote a lot of other names that I probably shouldn't mention because they didn't make it. <laughs> but uh, what happens then is that they, all those kind of go around and everyone kind of, you know, we see what, what lines up. And at some point, there's also the sort of reality check which is like maybe someone wrote down Sega Tassanchiro, but is it realistic? Could we actually get him? Do we have the rights to do that? Because there's a lot of Sega characters and IPs that might be well-known, but are not actually you know owned by Sega. So that, that's an important right. thing. Is how realistic is it that we could get this character and add them into the game? Uh, and then following that point, there's also the sort of like, does it fit? Uh, and in most cases, these characters are all really quirky and weird, so we can find some crazy way to make it fit. And Sumo Digital is very creative. And they're able to come up with some amazing ways to, to give these characters vehicles and cars and, and transform them. Uh, but it's, it's sort of a mix of brainstorming meets reality check meets, you know, finding the right number on the roster, too. And that, of course, is one of the hardest parts, because uh, we would love to add as, as many characters as we could fit. If we could put 100 characters on that roster, I have no doubt Sumo Digital would have done it. Um, however, when you give them a deadline and, and you say, you know, you have to get the game done by this time, then it becomes a different story. But but characters like the ones in this game are really so cool and so iconic that every single one of them brings its own fan base into the, the game and kind of brings their attention to the game. So for us, it's really neat to kind of unify all of these fan bases in the sense that this is a, sort of the mashup of all the best Sega characters and memories that, that you've got in one game, and we're kind of unifying those those fan bases. Kind of a racer's mega mix. Um, it is. Yeah. Uh, well, plus, plus uh, I was saying before about you know the early the early uh, era and the more modern era. Those are those are something they can use for like a third sequel and have you know even more rosters of characters that have never been seen before. Really. Yeah. Too soon to say. Right now we're focused on racing transformed. But well, I'm just I'm just but like you know, hypothetically, yeah. Hypothetically, totally, is exactly totally what following. I mean. Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right. On the price strategy, why are they putting out? the game at the low price of thirty nine ninety nine. Is it related to the cross promotions like Wreck It Ralph and the ad revenue of Danica Patrick, like the was it the Go Daddy and the uh, Hot Wheels and such? Mm. Um, it's not necessarily related to the the cross promotions like Wreck It Ralph and Danica Patrick. That was a, a choice that we made because we felt it was a, the best value for the fans. So there are a lot of games out there that come out brand new and they charge you fifty nine dollars and five hours later you're like so uh that was fun, but I just spent 60 bucks on that, and it's over. And so, granted, you won't have that problem with Sonic Racing. First off, if you play the online at all, you'll be playing it for days, weeks, months. But we felt like that was a really, really good value price. And so it's a much, much easier you know, to kind of go out and, and say, this is a great deal, and you're getting a really awesome deal on the game because we've decided to kind of put it out at this price. And, of course, if you're convincing your friends, like, dude, you got to play this game with me. The online is awesome. You know, we're going to go take down Cory Mario tonight, just like we do every weekend. 
it's it's easier for you to be like it's it's only 39 bucks and it just came out you know and that's awesome or or if it's the 3ds or the vita version you know it's only 29 bucks so i think it's it's a really kind of a, a neat uh moment where let all those people who would call sega extremely greedy see this and take note because this is i think a good example of a really really awesome uh value sell that's going on with a brand new game and it's and a very high quality game at that which is not something you normally find yeah speaking of a uh great value i mean on uh in january we got anarchy reigns coming out at 29.99 uh yeah uh what was the strategy of uh coming up that out with such a low price uh it was very very much the same with anarchy and the difference with anarchy though is that uh in japan the game is already out so you know for us there was this sort of thing of like a lot of people maybe have imported it you know uh, myself of, included <laughs> yeah and and it's it's a fun game but the thing being that if people have already imported it, you know, uh, there are some there's some cool stuff in in the U.S. version, and of course the multiplayer is is really fun. But even the Japanese version, you know, had some English stuff in there. So for us, it's like we really need a good reason for someone to look at the Japanese version, look at the U.S. version, and go, man, I need that U.S. version. So part of it is that that you're getting a much better deal in that it's only 29 instead of like I said, 59. Um, and the other part is that it's it's almost a thank you because. In this case, the fans have waited a really long time for Anarchy Reigns, and it's finally coming out. We're very excited for that. But we feel that at that price, it's it's a really, really awesome deal. And so for us, it's less about, like, let's let's charge 60, 70 bucks, let's maximize profit, and more about let's make it a really, really good deal, you know, and, and go with the strategy of because it's such a good deal, you know, that word of mouth is going to spread, and people are going to say, this game is awesome, and it's not even that expensive. No. Um, since Japan and Europe are getting or have got or are getting the Bayonetta with the first run copies, will the U.S. Uh, get this deal as well? Ah, that's a very good question. And what I can tell you for now is that probably within the next, I'd say, week, you are going to hear uh, some news on that. So, yes, we will be getting it in the U.S. and you're going to hear specifics very soon. That sounds great. All right. Um, will there be any bonus characters that weren't included with the <laughs> Japanese release, like, say, Sam Gideon, maybe, from Vanquish? <laughs> <laughs> I had a feeling, yep. Uh, there, there will not be any, any bonus characters, uh, so it's going to be just like the Japanese version of the game in that sense. I, I do know a lot of people wanted Sam Gideon. Uh, I saw all the posts about that, but, uh, yeah, that, that wasn't planned, and it's not, uh, it's not so easy to add characters in once, once the game is, is just about complete, so... Would have, would have loved to, but not not a realistic thing. Okay, uh, which character is your favorite in the game? So I actually really gravitate to uh, a character called Feyrin. Um, she's one of the three sisters. There's there's Rinrin, Irin, Feyrin. Uh, and Feyrin is, I think, the oldest of, of the three. She's kind of got a purple color going on. And the reason that she's my favorite is because I really love her weapon. And it's sort of like a, a double-pronged um, sort of spear, and it's got three points and it reminds me very, very much of a weapon from Fantasy Star Online called the Double Cannon. And the Double Cannon was like one of the hardest items to get in PSO. It took you like weeks, months, years to get. And it was it was this really, really cool double saber. But her weapon looks a lot like that. And so when I first saw it, I went, ooh, it's, it's the Double Cannon. And so when I played as her, uh, just her, her fight style is actually uh, really fitting for me. And uh, that she's not too slow. She's also not the fastest of the three sisters. But uh, very, very powerful. So once you connect with that weapon of hers, you'll do a lot of damage. And that's kind of what I focus on. Awesome. 
Uh, which uh, online mode did you enjoy the most? I've been playing it on import for quite a while, and I enjoyed the team mode myself. Pretty much any any mode that involves uh, team team play or team stuff is fun for me. Just because, uh, as much as I like the free for alls, those are fun. Uh, it it almost for me it encourages like look for someone that's at low health, find that guy, get in there, take him out real quick, and get the kill. You know, uh, so for me it's a lot more fun when it's like team on team, and our goal is just. If you're blue, you kill the red guys. If you're red, you kill the blue guys. And that's all you got to worry about. I also really love the elements of team strategy that come into play. Um, this is kind of a, a habit of mine in like any online game or MMO. So if there's PvP, I probably enjoy the team-based PvP the most. Because there's real strategy to that. And then there's real skill levels of each of your teammates. And you have to kind of know, you know, who can, who's your strongest player? Where's your strongest player going in your team? You know, or or if you don't know the team, you kind of have to guess if it's if it's a random bunch of people you're with. So I really like that, and that's probably why anything team based is is my answer there. That's true. I, I don't really like uh, doing deathmatch out on my own. It's just there's no real strategy to it other than hit and run. You know, <laughs> yeah. stra- well, you know, with teams you can strategize, decide where you know you're going to branch out to. All right, thank you so much for being on. Absolutely, really thanks for having me. Yeah. Okay. Th- Thank you very much, and goodbye. All right, take care. Take care.